Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. Episode six. Six. Uh, heck yeah. <laughs> okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> yes, episode six. Uh, thank you so, so much for coming back. We appreciate it. Yeah. I got quite a few messages this week uh, that were just saying like people are actually learning and like taking small pieces of this podcast like as truth. So that's great. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of the point of yeah. doing a, a general history podcast is to impart some general history wisdom out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? My know-it-all friend wasn't actually that mad. He's just happy to have a shout out. So he would. I mean, he would. He's like, no, that's nice. You made fun of me. No. <laughs> you think about me when I'm not there. <laughs> it's very him. Uh, do you have anything that we should go over, talk about? No, just we'll, we'll cover this at the end. But again, always remember to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have any emails, they are at wehadnoideapodcast at gmail.com. Perfect. Nailed it. Yes. And Massachusetts. There you go. Oh, hell, that just flowed right off my head. Yeah, mind. nailed it. I'm getting so good at this. <laughs> so uh, we'd like to thank our sources for the day. We have ucusa.org, Britannica, History 101 on Netflix, energy.gov, Atlas Obscura, stanford.edu, businessinsider.com, thriftynomads.com, zapovednik.by, and the Washington Post. I don't know if you caught this during the research, but this was one of the first times where I noticed some biases coming in on some of the, the reporting. Like there was a couple of ones that I was going through and I was like, oh, you're really anti-nuclear energy, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, one there of was, the... It was, and one thing was left wrong and thousands perished. I was like, God! <laughs> yeah. I mean, not wrong, but that, that's not... It's not exactly how it went. Yeah, that uh, that energy.gov source being in there is... um. Well, I mean, there's a... Uh, we'll get to that. I've, I've noted on on the biases mm-hmm. that were obvious in the research of this. Yeah, this was the first time in the long, illustrious six episodes of the show Ooh. that I, I've noticed like, oh, wow, there are differences in how we are covering this situation. Yeah, it felt like there's definitely, um, there's like a right and a left for sure. And I feel like you and I are constantly people that ride the middle. <laughs> yeah. So even reading some of these ones that, like you said, one thing was left wrong and thousands perished, even reading stuff like that, I'm like... Was it really that bad? Well, the, the thousands perishing part probably was that well, bad. But I it, mean, it, it that wasn't, is that bad. The, 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 the main crux of it was <laughs> not like, well, these people didn't die or these pe- way more people actually died. It was more, well, look how easily this was. It's like, well, yeah. maybe there was a couple. And yeah, it was because I was thinking about it. And like the first five episodes, like the, there isn't really a an opposite side to World War Two. No, there's definitely like different perspectives. Obviously we, mm-hmm. we There are a couple at, of different ones. And we but... come at everything from like a Canadian mm-hmm. Caucasian right. male, female. Like we come at things from our own perspective too. But yeah, it definitely in the research it's like, well, you know, nuclear's not that bad and like nuclear waste, you can just throw that in the ocean, it'll be fine. And yeah. then other places are like, don't even look at uranium, it's bad. Right. The fact that we spelled uranium uranium here is probably going to kill a few people. 
but for some of our other episodes, like there, there isn't really like a, well, you know what? They probably should have burned all those witches. And there wasn't a, <laughs> there weren't a whole lot of pro killing fields, um, no. or articles out there. This was the first time that there were kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. And it, it is, it's a, a rather controversial subject, nuclear energy. Uh, it was discovered. That's what we're getting into today. You probably could tell by the download. But nuclear meltdowns, meltdowns, what we're covering today. (laughs) Nuclear energy was discovered during the Second World War. Reportedly, there were scientists in Germany working on nuclear fission. So scientists in other countries tried to start coming up with how to do it, too, because you don't want the Nazis being the only ones who know how to do anything, especially when it comes to nuclear weapons. The Americans are the ones who win the race, as noted in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but the uh, Soviets weren't very far behind, which is where some tension during the Cold War comes from, but we will certainly get into that in episodes down the road. Yes. I thought you were going to say later, and I was like giving you the eyes like, no, 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 we're not talking about the Cold War. Yeah, no, I I got that, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so what is nuclear energy? Nuclear energy and atomic weaponry come from neutrons colliding with uranium. Uranium is a hard word. Yep, it is. <laughs> okay, colliding with uranium atoms, splitting the uranium atom and releasing a huge amount of heat and radiation. This also throws neutrons off the split uranium atoms, which collide with more uranium atoms, splitting them and causing a mass release of heat and radiation. Kind of like a snowball effect, but like really, really hot instead. <laughs> When we see (laughs) nuclear fission in nuclear pants. uh, (laughs) 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 I'm going to hit uranium here, but I'll screw up plants. Um, The heat and we're going to leave that in the heat and radiation that is released heats up water. That water is turned to steam to turn turbines, which creates electricity. They are rather large radioactive tea kettles, which was how it was described on uh, in the, the History 101 yeah. documentary that we watched, which also, just like a quick note, this seems like a lot of work. And again, I, I don't want to come across as either pro or con nuclear energy on this yeah. one. This seems like a lot of work to create wind. Why am I blanking on them? Like steam, like windmills. Yeah, th- this seems like a lot of work to create windmills when you could just have a windmill. But I digress. Yeah. Uh, nuclear energy is a low carbon solution to supplying power. The downside, of course, is when the worst happens in a meltdown and the byproduct of nuclear waste, which is highly radioactive and takes years to become non-radioactive. The website, this is actually one of the first times I noticed what we previously discussed, which was the bias. So the website worldnuclear.org says there's very little highly radioactive waste that comes from nuclear plants and it's not a big deal. But then Greenpeace also has footage from the 70s of barrel after barrel of nuclear waste, like literally being thrown into the ocean. So yeah, please do with these contradicting sources what you want. That footage was crazy. They were basically just riding like a little motorboat up beside these giant tankers that are yeah. throwing things off and it's like I, kicking drums off the side. Like, are they trying? Were they trying to catch them? Because one would have sent them plummeting into the ocean yeah. to their very likely demise, yeah. and it would have fallen down anyway. So I, I don't know what the end goal was aside from like, hey, don't do this. But it, it was quite the the footage to see. Yeah. Nuclear energy does seem like a better option than fossil fuels slash coal, but the threat of meltdowns and the cost of building plants has kept it from being more relied upon. It could take up to 20 years to build nuclear power plants and cost $750 million. Oh, I was really hoping you would do a RuPaul read on that. Oh, sorry. $750 
million dollars. <laughs> in 1946, the world's first experimental nuclear plant. Damn it. See? <laughs> uh, nuclear plant was confirmed and built in Idaho. And in 1951, it produced its first electricity powering four 200-watt light bulbs. Woo! <laughs> Go plant. Go Idaho. <laughs> Uh, then going on to power all of the lights within the plant. That was the first experimental one. So it was used for testing purposes more than commercial electricity generation. Four years later, once their testing was basically complete with this reactor, they tested how a meltdown would happen by removing the cooling water reserves. This led to a partial melt- meltdown and a better understanding of how those happen. But like, that seems so risky though. Right? Like I get you have to test these things, but they were like, put your studies on boys. It's about mm. to get hot. And this is in 1951 and then four years later. So I'm around 1955. So we are at most 10 years removed from seeing what this stuff could do in Japan. Mm -hmm. And now we're just going to willful. Like, I understand it's for science, but holy (laughs) hell, that would have been terrifying. Yeah. And it's a landmark now. You can go look at it. Oh, nice. Yeah, fun. In 1952, the UK opened their first plant, Windscale. Unfortunately, in 1957, Unit 1 of Windscale's core caught fire and melted, which led to large amounts of radioactivity to be released to the surrounding area. Unit 1 was activated to release built-up energy in the graphite of the core. The fuel was cooler than the normal operating temperature and was warming more slowly than expected. A second release led to a higher temperature than workers expected. Eventually, the temperature was more than 750 degrees Fahrenheit, so air was vented to cool it. The reactor caught fire, igniting an estimated 11 tons of uranium. It took workers a total of three days to put out the fire, In the meantime, radiation escaped through the chimney and contaminated much of the surrounding area, reaching mainland Europe. More than 200 cancer deaths are attributed to this disaster. So we are very much starting to see the negative, negative, negative side effects of this. Yes. In 1954, the Soviet Union opened up their first plant and successfully supplied electricity to their power grid. Three years later, in 57, the first nuclear plant for commercial electricity in the U.S. was completed and opened in Shippingport, Pennsylvania, which is so much easier to say than Massachusetts. Yes. Very happy for you. <laughs> Let's not talk about Massachusetts anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. None of our stories can now. I mean, not a lot's happened to Mass in history. So we can. Right. Yeah. There's no tea parties or anything there yeah let's talk about idaho right yes exactly so much more going on (laughs) yeah uh so in idaho in january of 1961 we see the first fatal nuclear meltdown in u.s history spoiler alert the plant was shut down over the holidays for maintenance and was due to run again in the new year Three men arrived to make sure that was happening, but the withdrawal of a single control rod caused a catastrophic power surge and steam explosion at the SL-1 boiling water reactor that killed all three of them. The central control rod was raised 20 inches instead of the four inches that was required. This error caused the reactor to go critical and its power surged 6,000 times higher than its normal levels in less than a second. Mm-hmm. The plant was dismantled brick by brick, and the reason to why the control rod was raised so high when the risks were known hasn't been solved, but this can't happen manually anymore after this incident, as, you know, th- this seems like a pretty good lesson to be learned from. For sure. We're just always learning. Yes. 
let's melt one down, see how that happens. Let's now only trust computers with removing the the control rods. You know, always mm-hmm. learning things. In 1978, the partial meltdown at Three Mile Island in the U.S. occurred. Unit 2 is considered the most serious nuclear accident in U.S. history, although it resulted in only small radioactive releases. I mean, isn't, like, any not good? Right, yes. <laughs> uh, the accident began with failures in the non-nuclear secondary system, followed by a human-operated relief valve in the primary system that stuck open, which allowed large amounts of nuclear reactor coolant to escape. In particular, a hidden indicator light. I mean, a hidden... In- that's... That seems That's like a bad something- indicator light. Yeah, yeah, hidden indicator light <laughs> seems like an oxymoron. <laughs> Uh, That led to an operator manually overriding the automatic emergency cooling system because he mistakenly believed that too much coolant water in the reactor had caused the steam pressure to release. Eventually, the reactor was brought under control, although the full extent of the accident was not understood until later. Now we get to the rather large ones. The big boys. Yes, these are the ones that when we thought of this subject initially, these were the two that certainly jumped to mind. And, And to be perfectly honest, I was unaware of basically anything that we discussed in the, the lead up up until this point. You could say I had no idea. Um, but these <laughs> these are the ones where I, I would say they're the two most, fa- they are certainly the two most yes. famous nuclear meltdowns in history. In 1986, uh, Chernobyl happens. It actually, we're almost, we just missed the 35 year anniversary. Oh, so. geez. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. Um, happy birthday? Nope. Chernobyl? Nope. No? Okay. A sudden surge in power during a reactor systems test resulted in an explosion and fire that destroyed Unit 4. Massive amounts of radiation escaped and spread across the Western Soviet Union and Europe. As a result of the disaster, approximately 220,000 people had to be relocated from their homes. So what happened was Unit 4 was to be shut down for routine maintenance and testing. Workers did not implement adequate safety precautions or alert operators to the test's risks. This lack of awareness led the operators to engage in actions that diverge from safety procedures. Consequently, a sudden power surge resulted in explosions and nearly complete destruction of the reactor. The fires that broke out in the building contributed to the extensive radioactive releases. Several explosions triggered a large fireball that blew off the heavy steel and concrete lid of the reactor. This and the ensuing fire in the graphite reactor core released large amounts of radioactive material into the atmosphere where it was carried great distances by air currents. A cover-up was attempted, but days later, Swedish monitoring stations reported abnormally high levels of wind-transported radioactivity and pressed for an explanation. The Soviet government then admitted there had been a bit of an accident at Chernobyl, thus setting off an international outcry over the dangers posed by the radioactive emissions. This, one of the first examples of the dog in a burning house saying that everything is absolutely fine. Like, how do you think you're going to get away with that? (laughs) Oh, there's just radiation blowing all across basically this entire hemisphere. Yeah. No, we had nothing. Oh, that uh, nuclear plant with the hole in the roof? Nah, don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. Like, how how do you think you're going to get away with that? see here, folks. Right. So by May 4th, eight days later, both the heat and the radioactivity leaking from the reactor core were being contained, but it did pose a great risk to the workers. No kidding. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm also like eight days later, I get it's hot and it's hard to put out. It's over a week later we put this. Anyways. Radioactive debris was buried at about 800 temporary sites, and later in the year, the highly radioactive reactor core was enclosed in a concrete and steel sarcophagus, which was... (laughs) 
<laughs> Egypt, which was later deemed structurally unsound. Oh, good. Great. And a new one was actually built and put in place in October of 2017, which is designed to hold radiation for another 100 years. So... Just kicking the can down the road. Long time for radiation to go away. That's like a thousand years, isn't it? I uh, I feel like I read almost 20,000 years in something, but that could have also been one of those... Mm. sites that's like nuclear's bad yeah i thought the the documentary on netflix stated a thousand years either way i'm not a scientist i have no idea no. some sources state a that, long time right yes a very very probably longer than 100 years yeah some sources state the two people were killed in the initial explosions whereas other reports have that figure at closer to 50 dozens more contracted serious radiation sickness some of those people later died 400 times the radiation of the bomb dropped on Hiroshima was released on the town of Chernobyl. Millions of acres of forest and farmland were contaminated, and although many thousands of people were evacuated, some remained in contaminated areas. In addition, in subsequent years, many livestock were born deformed. Later on, Chernobyl Unit 2 was shut down after a 1991 fire, and Unit 1 remained open until 1996. Chernobyl Unit 3 continued to operate until the year 2000, when the nuclear power station was officially decommissioned. So, in an area <laughs> where no one is allowed to live within yep. a large radius around, we still got people working in there. Kilometers, yeah. We still got people working in there. I know. And it's like, when we were looking this up, and I, I read that about how Unit 1, 2, and 3 weren't decommissioned until years later, I was like, well, they were beside each other. They're not like across the country from each other. They're near each other. Mm -hmm. So people were just still going to work, you know, doing right. nuclear things. That's absolutely mind-boggling <laughs> to me. Anyway, the new sarcophagus was installed. After that, there was decommissioning and burying needed to... They like bury parts of them, hmm. of like the radioactive reactors. That's how they keep it. Oh, okay. from I don't know being radioactive in yeah. the daylight. They just put it underground. Huh. Yeah. Anyways, after the new sarcophagus was installed, there was still decommissioning and burying needed to happen, and reports expect that to be done sometime in the year 2022. You can go to Chernobyl, which is in modern-day Ukraine, and explore around a nearby abandoned town named Pripyat after stopping at the border of the exclusion zone where radiation levels begin to rise. A huge chunk of Belarus, just north of Chernobyl, is part of the exclusionary zone, and for both, you are allowed 7 to 10 hours a day within the zone. By 1989, despite the scare of Chernobyl, there are 109 reactors in the U.S. that provide 19% of that country's energy. In March of 2011, an earthquake and subsequent tsunami caused a serious accident at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant. The facility was made up of six boiling water reactors constructed between 1971 and 1979. The earthquake cut off external power to the reactors. The tsunami, which reached levels more than twice as high as the plant, was designed to withstand disabled backup diesel generators, crippling the reactor cooling systems. Battery power was quickly exhausted and overheating fuel in the plant's operating reactor cores led to hydrogen explosions that severely damaged three of the reactor buildings. Fuel in three of the reactor cores melted and radiation released from the damaged reactors contaminated a wide area surrounding the plant and forced the evacuation of nearly half a million residents. 
Although all three of the reactors that were operating were successfully shut down, the loss of power caused cooling systems to fail in each of them within the first few days of the disaster. Rising residual heat within each reactor's core caused the fuel rods in reactors 1, 2, and 3 to overheat and partially melt down, leading at times to the release of radiation. Melted material fell to the bottom of the containment vessels in reactors 1 and 2 and bored sizable holes in the floor of the vessel, a fact that emerged in late May, so a couple of months later. Those holes partially exposed the nuclear materials in the core. Explosions resulting from the buildup of pressurized hydrogen gas occurred in the outer containment buildings enclosing reactors 1 and 3 on the 12th and 14th of March, respectively. Because of concerns over Possible radiation exposure, government officials established a 30-kilometer no-fly zone around the facility and a land area of, 20 of a 20-kilometer radius around the plant, which covered nearly 600 square kilometers. All of that was evacuated. A third explosion occurred on March 15th in the buildings surrounding Reactor 2. At that time, the explosion was thought to have damaged the containment vessel holding the fuel rods. In actuality, the explosion punched a second hole in the containment vessel. The first hole had been created earlier by melted nuclear material that passed through the bottom of the vessel, as mentioned earlier. In response, government officials designated a wider zone extending to a radius of 30 kilometers around the plant, within which residents were asked to remain indoors. The explosion, along with a fire touched off by rising temperatures in spent fuel rods stored in Reactor 4, led to the release of higher levels of radiation from the plant. In the following days, 47,000 residents were forced from their homes. Many people in adjacent areas to the 20-kilometer evacuation warning zone also got ready to leave, and workers at the plant made several attempts to cool the reactors using water cannons and water dropped from helicopters, some of which was successful. That temporarily slows the release of radiation. However, mm -hmm. they were suspended several times after rising steam or smoke signaled an increased risk of radiation exposure. As workers continued their attempts to cool the reactors, the appearance of increased levels of radiation in some local food and water supplies prompted Japanese and international officials to issue warnings about their consumption. At the end of March, the evacuation zone was expanded to the 30 kilometers around the plant, and ocean water near the plant was discovered to have been contaminated from leakage of radioactive water through cracks and trenches uh, between the plant and the ocean. Months later, radiation levels remained high in the evacuation zone, and government officials remarked that the area might be uninhabitable for decades. Uh, by March 2017, all evacuation orders in the areas outside of the difficult-to-return zone, uh, which continued to sequester 371 square kilometers had been lifted. The town of Futaba in the Fukushima prefecture still is abandoned with residents sometimes coming back to take pictures or visit their old homes. You can also be a tourist in this area as well. Yeah, that's on a show on Netflix. Dark Tourist, I think Dark it tourist, is. Yeah. yeah. They th there was a bus of people that actually went yeah. into the town and it gets like they they have the the, the little Geiger meters. Yes, thank you. Um, they they have those that kind of measure out how much radiation is in the air, and it gets too too dangerous for humans very very quickly <laughs> in those areas. But you you see the, the documentary crew actually went through a lot of the town while they were able to be there, and it is chilling. Yeah. What? Because it it just looks like an abandoned town. Like it, it literally looked like people just dropped everything and left. They did. Yeah. Like to, they had to. They had to. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and so, yeah, now you have, once again, kind of these, I believe they're referred to them as nuclear refugees mm-hmm. that are having a tough time w- with it because th- this is a country that very much understands the side effects of all of this stuff. And even if you survive the first wave, th- this can affect generations to come. For sure. And actually, about a week ago, it was reported that the Japanese government is planning to filter the hundreds of tons of radioactive water that are still in the towers. They're planning to filter that into the Pacific Ocean after they treat it, which won't begin until like two-ish years from now. Hmm. Um, But they're being asked by the South Korean government to not to, uh, but they're also considering sending it far into the Pacific instead of just dumping it offshore, uh, where marine life grows and breeds so while they say this water in the tanks is not super radioactive you do have to wonder if the want to just get rid of it outweighs concerns yeah that seems kind of sketchy to be perfectly honest kind of yeah (laughs) there's uh i actually looked up uh thank you to google maps reviews again uh because i looked up the fukushima daiichi plant Mm -hmm. on google maps it has a 2.2 out of 5 star rating uh and there are several reviews that are condemning them for wanting to pour the water Mm. uh into the pacific ocean and they're saying that they that if they think it's so safe that it should just go into a lake that's nearby the town so yeah that that seems like that that seems like one that's going to cause quite a uh, quite a bit of concern yeah As for what's going on today, there are still several countries using nuclear energy. The top five, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, are China, Russia, the United States, South Korea, and with 70% of their electricity coming from nuclear power, France. Oh, I don't know. I don't know why I wasn't expecting France to be in there. Yeah. But there they are. I know. It seems like kind of a random one. Very much so, yeah. Like the China, Russia, the US and South Korea all seem like places that would dabble, but France just doesn't really seem like that kind of a place. Well, it turns out more than anybody they are. Right. 70% of their electricity. That mm-hmm. That is crazy. So yes, again, there are pros and cons to this. Yeah. Very, very aggressive pros and cons on both sides. Do you think that this makes sense with the Paris Climate Agreement being... Mm. Like, you I know, suppose so, yeah. Because nuclear energy, with all of its faults, is a low-carbon type yes. of electricity. So it's easy for France to be like, everybody else, stop. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. There is. <laughs> yes. No, that that makes complete sense, actually. That's all speculation. I can't prove any of what I just said, but <laughs> Paris is in the name of the climate agreement, so I'm saying it. <laughs> Fair enough. One more thing that we kind of learned about while researching this Mm -hmm. because what we were talking about today was nuclear fission yes nuclear fusion um is rumored to be much much safer all the great pros of nuclear fission without the whole radioactive waste thing that that is going into it there's a plant in germany that is working on this now they aren't particularly close but this does seem like something that in the future if we make it that long could be something that greatly helps things out. So instead of the atoms colliding together, breaking apart, and that creates the energy, but also the radioactiveness, uh, you have the, uh, thank you. You have the, the atoms kind of crashing together, but combining, and that lets off even more energy. Um, and apparently none of the waste. I'm sure as with almost anything, there is a negative side effect to this, Mm -hmm. but it's at least something that is being worked on. Yeah. 
I think it is still hugely radioactive because this type of nuclear fusion is based off of what the sun does, mm-hmm. which is high key radioactive. <laughs> right. Yes. So, I mean, there's obviously pros and cons to everything, but they are working on this uh, instead of, yeah, neutrons colliding with uranium atoms to split them up. It's the atoms combining instead. Mm-hmm. And I think it was said that it was more powerful too. Yes. Yeah. Like quite four, a bit. Like 200 times or something. Yeah. Which is a lot. I mean, when we're talking atoms. Yes. That's a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you can see why people are so in favor of it. Because, again, extremely low carbon, all of that sort of stuff. But I, I think we just ran through a pretty extensive list mm-hmm. of the cons to, to, to nuclear energy. Yeah. Let's all just blow on a whirly gig. Yes. Stand in the sun. Yeah. All of these are not good suggestions. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. So I believe that pretty well does it for yeah. this episode. Again, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, send them our way at wehadnoideapodcast at gmail.com. That's us. Uh, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. Thank you very much for listening to the program today. Yes, any button that... You can press that helps us uh, get up in the charts or ups our downloads or whatever. Please do. Right. We would <laughs> greatly appreciate that. And again, when we, we ask for emails, it is like the review part is obviously kind of tell us how we are doing. But for emails, if there's any topic you want us to run through in about half an hour, um, you very much let us know again at we had no idea podcast at gmail.com. Now I'm just showing off. And please join us next week. We will be covering, uh, this was actually a listener request uh, by two people, actually. Oh, okay. And we had it on our list originally, which is fun. So yes, three people wanted us to do it. (laughs) Uh, We will be covering the apartheid. There you go. So we've established, if you request, it it doesn't take an army of people to get us to do it. It's like one person nudging us in the right direction and you might get it. So send the emails, send the requests and yeah, the apartheid next week. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming. We'll talk to you again later. Bye. Bye.